Another edition of the Behind the You podcast. I think you guys should recognize this face. I do. Everyone that's uh, everyone's all fired up this time of year. Matt Lee, recruiting, offensive linemen, getting this program where everybody wants to be. But first and foremost, Bud, just uh, thanks for doing this. Hey, thanks for having me on. Yes, sir. Yeah, uh, I do want to apologize. I thought uh, you might be kind of excited about doing this, but then doing the research, I realized you were on some massive orlando tourism podcast like a year ago and i'm like damn he already won up me dude i do remember that <laughs> the orlando north seminole county podcast that was a whole day long thing i had to do like pictures at top golf and stuff I, it's a whole thing yeah but i mean like the same person that like runs the planetarium was been on that podcast and I'm like well this is going to be a little bit of a letdown for matt then <laughs> <laughs> All right, so listen, we are taping this on a Saturday morning, and I was just talking to you. You said you're up at 6.30. I'm like, well, dude, I was in college. I wasn't up at 6.30. So what is Matt Lee, starting center, University of Miami, what does he do on a Friday night? Friday night? Well, last night, well, I got finished my workouts, got out of the training room, got home about like 3, yeah, 4 o'clock, 4 p.m., hung out for a while, went over to Javion Cohen's house. A couple other guys were over there, hung out, watched the summer league, Victor Webanyama. You were into that? I love basketball. Basketball is great. Yeah, I played it a lot when I was a kid, and then as I got older, six uh, three, and you know, so focused on football. But, but I uh, went over to Javion's, came back here at like ten thirty, eleven, and just knocked out. Got up early. I like getting up early. I like you know spreading the day out and just hanging out. What's on the docket today? I don't even know. Chilling. <laughs> I probably watch movies or something. Just drink a bunch of water. Eat a bunch of food. Probably stretch a little bit, try to stay a little active, not be so sedentary over the next two days, um, and and think about football, really. This is why these things go all over the place, because I just start – I actually follow you for the most part, follow my guest. So, huge NBA fan. Uh, you're, I think if I got this right, you're a LeBron guy? Oh, yeah. How do you know that? Dude, I do my – look, your job is to be non-sedentary, right? Drink water and fluids, be big and – beefy and i mean that in a complimentary way my job is to be prepared and uh know everything about you without you knowing it so we can converse about it i love lebron since i was a kid i remember i well i'm from orlando so when i was a kid we used to pretty frequently go to magic games um when the magic were actually pretty good we had dwight howard and the other handful of guys at five or really like three main guys like dwight hito turkoglu jameer nelson Rashard Lewis, like Ryan Anderson, Courtney Lee was in there, a bunch of other guys, Jason Richardson. But we used to go to a lot of Magic games. And when LeBron would come down with the Cavs, when this back when he was younger, and I'd watch him, I was like, this guy is a freak. I remember, I don't know if it was in Orlando or it was in Cleveland. It might have been in Orlando, and I might have been at the game. But I might have been watching on TV or it might have been in person. But I remember it was a tie game or the Cavs were down two to the Magic. and. Braun took the ball up the court, fourth quarter, top of the key, three-point, knocked it down in the face. And from that on, I was like, no, nah, I'm a Braun fan. I'm a LeBron fan. Well, essentially, LeBron is a slightly smaller version of guys in your room playing basketball. He's a freak. <laughs> he's a freak. And he's, he's like, he's like 6'9". And that's what I'm saying. I'm saying that's he's uh you know he played football. I think he played like a year. He actually this is odd. He played, I want to say he played a year or two of high school football in Ohio. And the head coach uh of his high school was a former was on the national championship team at Miami in 83. I did not know that. That's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. And and they were like, dude, he would have been a first round pick. He I think he was unless the it's you know misleading on what people put on Twitter and whatnot, but I've seen several times that he was like the number one recruit in Ohio, and then yeah. obviously when you can declare at eighteen and go get the number one pick, you know that's what you yeah. do but so uh what do you think of Webinyana? you know like I was like watching him play and moving around like it looked encouraging, but I feel like he got pushed around a little bit, but also in his post game interview he was like I, I didn't really know what I was doing out there. Just playing. He's probably got to put on some weight. You know, yeah. he's probably too skinny being that tall, you know. But there's a couple of clips of him with the ball handling and passing ability and what he can see. I was like, it's, like, it's pretty crazy at 7-3 or whatever. It was super quick, way quicker than most guys that size. Yeah. Well, you know what? That's what they say about you. Pretty good. I can, I can move are around. You the, are you the best athlete in the room? The O-line? Yes. 
like if we're like racing or we're doing like oh drills, yeah, like yeah. Drills, I'm smoking. <laughs> uh so there's no questions asked no uh if it's a race or we're doing you know it's a it's it's tuesday thursday conditioning and we're in drills and, and it's like a competition drill and I ain't gonna do. now have you guys uh, laced it up and played any ball oh basketball yeah i you know what i haven't played I, I think i played a little bit in december over the after my bowl game and when i had like two weeks before i got down here or three weeks before I got down here, but I try not to anymore really since I got to college, just because ankles and it's so easy to hurt yourself out there. Like, and yeah. then with that hard concrete and when you weigh, you know, I weigh like 306, 307, that constant pounding and you know, kind of break down your knees. But back before I got to college, I used to, you know, go to LA fitness, work out every single day, play for like two, three hours, but I try to be safe now. Cause I don't want to, I don't want to be stupid and hurt myself. You were gonna say I want to be safe and I don't want to be stupid and hurt somebody else. Hey, or that honestly. But some guys will go. They'll go to the uh, the courts right by the facility. They'll hoop and whatnot. But I, I haven't played in a while. All right, let's. All right, so let's get into the good stuff. Last year, according to one of the media outlets, five hundred and thirty nine pass block opportunities for you. No sacks. No quarterback hits. Now I know you're aware of that now, but were you aware of that prior? Before that, you saw that. Did you know that? No, I knew that. I knew I didn't have any sacks, and I knew I didn't think I had any hits either. A few pressures, but I knew it was pretty. It was a pretty good number. I didn't know it was five thirty nine. Five thirty nine is a it's a high amount of pass protection reps. Uh, but I think last year we had like over a thousand total plays. So once I saw that, I was like, oh, that makes sense. Throwing the ball around, yeah. Uh, does Van Dyke know that? I don't know. I think he does. <laughs> through spring through spring if he doesn't know he knows the gist you know what i mean yeah i would imagine he might be tapping you on the shoulder being like listen dude we need a repeat yeah hell yeah it'd be better it'd be better yeah, yeah after, especially after last year unfortunately when you think of great football and baseball, you think about the you. When you get hurt in a car, truck, or motorcycle wreck, you need to think Lebovic Law Group. At Lebovic Law Group, you come first. We work to get you all the money you are entitled to. Injured? You need to call or click Lebovic. Lebovic Law Group, the exclusive sponsor of the Miami Hurricanes and proud sponsor of all things you. Go you! You were also the highest returning center by Pro Football Focus. Was that a big deal to you? It's cool. You know, it like seeing it is obviously, you know, anything that someone posts or, you know, honors or accolades, whatever. It's always cool to see and kind of is a good, like, testament to, I guess, the work and focus during the season and whatnot. Uh, but I don't really think about it too much just because now my mind's on, you know, getting into camp in this September and moving forward. Because last year – don't matter you know what i mean now it doesn't matter i gotta do it the next six months and do it better and then that's what i want to do that's a good mindset to have now i don't know if you're aware of this because i you know probably somebody asked me i wouldn't be too sure what is on there but are you aware of your twitter header yep all right so then then can you explain it for the folks that'll be listening okay well i also have the same exact thing hanging right in my room about 10 feet from me and a little little like canvas that my mom got a long time ago it's the man in the arena quote which is teddy roosevelt he gave it essentially the gist of the man of the arena quote is in a football perspective and how i view it is a lot of people outside of your room and outside of the facility and outside of your teammates and outside of yourself are always going to throw stones and are always going to you know be hating on players and coaches and everything but like at the end of the day, those guys don't really know. You know, they don't know. They're not in the room. They're, they're, they're not the man in the arena. So the credit always goes, right, to the guy that is actually doing it, right, whose face is marred with dust and, and all the different quotes that he says in there. Uh, but really what stood out to me was in 2020, uh, my redshirt freshman year, my first year starting, my third game of the season, we were playing Tulsa. And I had a... I don't know how many, there's a couple, probably more than a couple penalties on like procedural penalties, uh, false starts. And that's when guys used to, before the, the NCAA and conferences passed the disconcerting signals thing. And I think it was like the year after that guys on the defensive line would, you know, shout out cadences or they would click their tongue or they would do different things to try to get 
offensive lineman to move, not to not as a call for the defensive front, but literally simply to be a disconcerting signal for offensive line. And after that game, I had a you know 50 DMs on Instagram and Twitter from you know UCF fans and other people, basically just straight hate, like and you know vile stuff, stuff where you're like, all right, bro, like relax, like and then just a bunch of just you know guys that. St even students and stuff where I'm like, you know, what are you doing? Coming? You don't know. You're not, you're not doing this. You're just, you know, you don't know what's going on. Um, but the reason that that specific speech and quotes that I was, because one of my old coaches, who's the tight ends coach at Tennessee now, but he was a GA at UCF and recruited me and I'm, I'm still close with them. I don't talk to him a bunch, but I'm still close with them. The next day he sent me that quote and I don't think I'd ever read it before, or maybe I read it, but never really like put thought right. into it. But from then on, it kind of always was like, I don't know, something that just appealed to me, kind of because of that experience. Um, and then moving forward always, because there's always going to be people that want to throw stuff, you know. Do we get that in the O-line room now? Can we get Mirabal to put that up? He's a big historian. I, I, I don't I, – we've never talked about it in there, but I think it's great. I'll tell him about it. And I'm sure he's seen it a million times. Former history teacher. I don't know if you yeah. know that. And uh, he loves the Supreme Court. He's been on this podcast. Uh, we did like an hour and a half with him. He's he's unbelievable. Are you paint the face guy on game day? Never done it. I've I've uh, on game day. You know I'm not really worried about the the swag or whatever I look like. I just want to be comfortable. Like always wear you know sleeves right here on game day because I don't want to get this all ripped up and whatnot. I don't really worry about what I put on my face. I just get dressed and go play. You know I don't need to look good if I play good. Yeah, you're the opposite. Exactly. Everyone's like, look good, play good. You're like, screw it. Play yeah. good. Play good. Play screw good, it. look good. Play <laughs> good, you, play look good. good you look good no matter what. Exactly, no matter what you look like. So for your official visit, you were hosted by Tyler, correct? Yes, Tyler. I think Tyler flew down from Connecticut. and That's what I was going to get to. Did you know that he came? You, obviously, he hosted you, so you knew he was there. But did you know he actually flew back specifically for you? They Once I got there, and then I met Tyler at a – I think the first time we went to Rusty Pelican. Um, that's the spot. Mirabal and Coach Cristobal told me, and I was like, damn, that's pretty cool, you know, because that's a break, you know. They're all, you know, in college football, you kind of savor the breaks that you do get, the few and far between. But knowing that he flew down, immediately I was like, damn, you know, that's pretty cool. Y'all hit it off right away? Yeah, yeah, I love, I love TVD. He's a great dude. He's an awesome dude, isn't he? Yeah, just a genuine, good, hardworking, you know, noble guy. Yeah, I feel like you guys are like, even though you're from different parts of the world, you're kind of the same. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Head down work doesn't say much if you, you know, if you don't have to, right? He's going to no, lead, but he ain't going to talk nothing. Yeah, but now he's got you. Exactly. You, know, he, you don't have to say, he don't have to say anything. I to say anything. I love that role, too. I like to enforce, you know. Yeah. Uh, uh, so uh, I think you said somewhere that he closed the deal, like he, like as a recruiter. So I don't know if that was just kind of like, hey, I, we got along and it was great, or is there anything he actually said to you that legitimately closed the deal? I think it was probably several things. You know, once both those nights when we had left, uh, and we didn't go do anything crazy, you know, we basically hung out. I think we went to, I think, Will Mallory's apartment one of the nights and hung out for a while there. <laughs> the most um, innocent man on the planet. <laughs> But talking to him and just hearing everything he had to say and nothing, no specific couple words that did it, but just getting a read on what type of guy he was and what type of guys that they have there and the coaching staff and what they're trying to do. I remember I was in his car with him the second night and we were going somewhere and we were just talking for like 30, 40 minutes about football and, you know, recruiting me and whatnot. And at the end of that conversation, I was kind of like, yeah. I was like, I don't come here, you know, just based on everything he said and based on the visits and, and Coach Mirabal and Coach Cristobal and how they treated me and how they approach things and their work ethic and whatnot. Yeah, you, you kind of they, – they've said it, you've said it. You guys kind of – I feel like your personalities mesh a little bit there, Matt. I feel like you guys kind of are cut from the same cloth. Yes, like I'm a – just like TVD, you know, TVD is a very – you know, outside of football, he's a pretty reserved to himself guy, mostly, you know, not the biggest talker if he doesn't have to be or want to be. And in most ways, I might be a little bit more, a little more willing to speak up in just a general setting. But just a, like a little, just a little. Just a little. But I'm very, like, myself and my own outside of football. In football, I'll talk as much as I need, talk, whatever, as much as I want, you know, be loud, all that. But outside of that, I'm pretty, I'm pretty to myself, you know, pretty reserved about what I do and who I talk to and just relationships and whatnot.
Yeah, well, I'm, I'm glad you came on the podcast then. <laughs> well, I like this stuff, though. I've gotten, you, when I was younger, it was, you know, interviews or podcasts, you know, used to be, I guess, a little nerve-wracking. But I feel like I've done it enough where I feel more comfortable. You know, I'm not, like, anxious about it. And it, and it can be fun, you know, like, I, I enjoy doing it. So you said you're okay being the enforcer. Of course. And I want, what I wanted to ask was, because I think this word leadership shows itself in many different ways, but I do think on a football team in a locker room, at some point, someone, if something has to be said or done, has to stand up and say what has to be said. And when it comes from you guys, it's way different than when it comes from the coaching staff. So are you comfortable, if needed, having to be the guy that stands up and kind of puts some people in place? Absolutely. I mean, I did it yesterday briefly in our finisher and, you know, I'll do it all the time. Like I, I treat everyone well and I want to be, I want everyone to like me and vice versa, because I think that's important to like the camaraderie of a team. Uh, but as a leader of the team, when it comes down to it, if guys are doing this or that, I'll say, shut the F up, this, that, whatever we need to say, you know, like, Hey, lock in. Like I get like, let's have fun. Like this, let's not make this suck, but at the same time, we need to do what we need to do. And that takes a certain level of focus. I'm going to, I'm going to be nice to everybody, but when it comes down to it, it's, it's, you know, I'm going to be a little mean. And, and when you lead, you're not, you can't be everyone's friend, but that's what it takes sometimes to get a large group of guys to be like, okay, let's lock in, you know? Now, let me ask you this. Did any, I guess I use the word hesitation, but, uh, or an adjustment period, when you got here, right? Since you were new, obviously a veteran, four years, plenty of starts. So you've already sort of developed this personality, right? It's, it's, it's kind of been incubated in yourself, either through high school or UCF. But as you were joining a new team, was it immediate for you? Did you just jump right into that role? I guess is probably the best thing for me to ask. Um, I think, well, the whole transition as a whole was pretty seamless, like a lot better than I thought it would be. And leading up into spring, like prior to spring, I was still playing that role a little bit, but not as much because to me and I think to everyone else, you know, if you haven't played with a guy and gone through and spring will count in this, gone through like padded practices and situations and scrimmages and whatnot with guys, you know, they're going to be more willing to second guess you, which I would do the same thing. That's absolutely true. Um, but once we, especially once we got into spring and went through that, then I definitely took it to another level and being like, okay, now I've played with y'all and now we're playing together. And now I feel like I can, whatever I say, I can back it up on the field. And that's, you know, communicated both ways. You know, it's understood. Prior to that, it was there, but also I held back a little bit because I'm like, well, I'm new here. I don't want to be like, right. who are you, UCF boy? Exactly. Then there's also that is, you know, you come from a, and UCF's in the Big 12 now, but you come from a group of five program that, you know, and UCF's a good program. There's a lot of good ones, a lot of success for the past several years. But there's automatically going to be people that are like, well, it's group of five. You know, been going to a big program like Miami and a Power Five conference that has a big history. It's inevitable that people might look at you sideways and be like, well, they might think that I got to see him play first. You know, if you're right. like, if you're like a JV on and you come from Alabama, <laughs> it's pretty much undeniable that like, well, this guy can play ball. He's all SEC, right? Yeah. But if you yeah. come from a smaller program, there's going to be more second guessing until you get out on the field. Why'd you leave Central Florida? Why'd you leave? There's a lot of stuff that goes into it. But really, I think it came down to I graduated in December and I just wanted, I got a lot of family down in Miami and I just kind of wanted a, a new experience that a more merited, better opportunities, right? You come to Miami, you have a lot more opportunities on the football field here and with the guys that you're around here and the coaches you're around here, but also to get to the next level because there's just more connection. And even outside of that, when it comes to just general connections and guys that you meet, you know, it's a, it's a different level. It's the university of Miami, you know, but you know, at the same time, I wanted to get out of home. I grew up probably 15, 10 to 15 minutes from UCF, my high school. If you drive out of UCF past the, the uh, stadium, which is right at the edge of campus on one of the ends, you drive straight past it, Probably two minutes down that road, maybe three minutes down that road. My high school's right there, you know. So I've never, I never really left there, right? I didn't live at home. I lived in my own place and everything. But my family and everything that I was used to was always 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes away. And I wanted to mature more. So coming down here, you know, I'm living on my own. I got family down here, but, you know, I'm truly by myself. And that matured me mentally. And just as like a man, as I get older, a lot more than, 
you know, being at home and always having that, hey, mom, hey, dad, like, can you help me with this? Like, no, I got to do it on my own. Change the trajectory of your career or find your new passion. Both are possible at the University of Miami's Division of Continuing and International Education. The division offers over 50 courses with online and hybrid options for on-the-go professionals and busy parents. Visit miami.edu slash DCIE to learn more or call our enrollment advisors at 305-284-4000 to discover which course is right for you. So is it a bit so like obviously down here, it's a big deal to, to, for Miami kids to go to Miami. Is that right. the same up there? Like for Orlando kids, like was it a big deal for you to go to Central Florida? It's not the same level at all. I think it might get there in the following years, especially with UCF going to the Big 12. So over the next years, once that, you know, TV money starts coming in, things should definitely change in a good way for them, especially for local guys. Uh, but for me, you know, out of high school, I had two FBS offers. I had UCF and I had USF, South Florida, and that that was it. So to me, like, and I was a UCF fan growing up. My dad graduated there. I have, you know, I, one of my cousins played center there, started at center a long time. My sister graduated from there. Like, we were a UCF family. I, You know, when they were undefeated in the Peach Bowl Festival, you know, I was at those games. I can tell you all about Kevin Smith and Brandon Marshall and all these old guys because I grew up watching them. So did, did you also have Ivy League offers? Did I hear that? See that? Read that? Yeah. Yeah, I had, like, all of them pretty much, but I, I don't see that. <laughs> we play football. You want to play football? Real football. Yeah. No disrespect. It was a great Harvard. That's awesome. But you know, and they also I think those conferences, uh, their athletic scholarship stuff is different. So correct. Based on like your family's income or your reported income, which like I ain't doing that. I ain't go to school for free, you know. I ain't, yeah. that ain't at a bigger level, a bigger opportunity, right? It's that okay. never thought about that. So, but I guess also that speaks to your um, – because you take a lot of pride in your, your your knowledge of the game, understanding of the game. So I would imagine that your brain works pretty good. If you got Ivy League offers, you're 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 a pretty smart dude. For sure, yeah. I, I, was, I don't know what my GPA was in high school. Probably like 3.9. I think my SAT, I took it like twice. I think it was like 13.50 or something like that. So that's that. what I got. Yeah, really? Yeah, yeah. My, mom, my, mom was, my mom was my SAT tutor and uh, got – I took it once, got a 13.60. She's like, let's take it again. Should I go for 1400? <laughs> I ain't studying one more second. I'm happy. I'm done. And wherever this gets me, I'm good to go. I don't want to read another book, take another test. I'm checking out. That's how I was like, I didn't, I didn't study anything for it. But the first time I took it, I think I got a 1300. And then I was like, you know what? Let me try to get a 1350 just because I didn't study anything. But like, let me retake it. See if I can get a little better on the math. Yeah, just by chance. And then I got 1350 and I was like, all right, you know. All right. Hey, listen, do you remember? Um, because uh I mentioned before Coach Mir I've known Coach Mirabal and, and Coach Cristobal forever. I had done some high school recruiting coverage down here. So Alex was on the podcast and we, we talked about all the a lot of the new faces, and he told a story about you on your official visit. So it's it's you, Pata, Mirabal, and Coach Cristobal in the film room. And he puts up a play of you, and I was if you, now you're smiling, so I guess you remember it. So what happened? Like, can you just describe what happened next? Me and Coach Mirabal were, you know, we were in there for an hour and a half or two hours, basically just they were showing clips of you know his clips at, at here down in Miami or you know up in Oregon or of me at UCF, and we we're just talking football, right? Different plays, what I'm thinking, what he's thinking, and then Coach Cristobal is in there in the back, just kind of observing, listening. He wasn't really saying anything. You know, I'll, I'll go in depth, though. Like, I can – I know how to talk football better than most guys that are playing college football. And at one point, I'm on some tangent, you know, and we're going back and forth. And we're getting pretty, like, complex with it. And Coach Cristobal, you know, he, like – he gets up and he runs down the stairs in the line room and he, like, starts, like, jumping up and down or doing some gesture. And he's like, we need you. You're the type of guy we need. You know, like, eyes lit up, super excited. And it was it, – just because we're, you know, we're just talking back and forth, but we, you know, I'll get into it. You know, I can, I can talk about that stuff and, and keep up with coaches that, you know, obviously Coach Mirabal, you know, knows miles more than me, but for the most part, I can go back and forth with them and get pretty in depth with it. So I actually want to, I want to take you down that road just a little bit because 
I sort of know what I know and I know what I don't know. Right. And I've been doing this a long time, Matt, and been around this sport and kind of like the man in the arena. I'm always pretty damn sympathetic to the coaches and players. Cause I don't think anyone really understand, not even in the work you put in, but just like we could take one. And this is what I was going to get to. Like you could take one install of one play and what goes into get 11 guys to do one play, let alone the entire playbook. And then obviously you got to read the, de- you know what I'm saying? Like, I would say, oh, they say it's art, it's sport. I'm like, dude, it's like science. So I guess from an ast- the standpoint of you talked about, uh, right, you, you can talk ball pretty good, that you understand fronts, that you understand you understand the defense as much as you understand your own scheme. So what I want to get to is because what I want people to hear it from you so that people, this I think hopefully will frame it for them in a way that it's not just set hike, go, you know, just sure. try and move the guy in front of you. So like walk me through fronts, what you see, what you could see, how that might impact a specific play. So, and, and give me as much football as you can, because I think the more they hear, the more they will hopefully understand it's not as simplistic as it gets made out to be. Yeah, so, like, to start at, like, a basic level, right, if we're talking, like, run game, there's a bunch of different concepts you can run, but everyone around the country and, you know, even at the NFL level, you're, you're running the same, similar stuff. Maybe you have different wrinkles here and there, but – run concepts or run concepts or whether that's inside zone or that's tight zone or wide zone or, or mid zone or, or, you know, a pin and pull scheme or, or a, uh, you know, counter and different variations off of counter, whether that's out of 10, 11, 12 personnel, which if, if you listen and don't know, that's just right. The 10, 11, 12 is just the, the first number is how many backs you have in the game. So if it's 10, you got one running back. If it's the second number is how many tight ends or H backs you have in the game. So if it's 10, you got one running back, five offensive linemen, 11, one running back, one tight end, 12, one running back, two tight ends. And the tight end will count as the H back in the backfield or in line 13 guys will go up to 13. Some teams in the big 10 will go up to, you know, you watch Michigan or a lot of those teams that really are run heavy. They're going to run the hell out of the ball and get in like 14 personnel where they're putting tackles at tight end and extra offensive linemen in, or you're running duo. It doesn't matter. There's several different things, different variations of concepts you can run. Same thing in protections, right? You can run five man, six man, full slides, play actions off of counters and powers and where you got guys pulling and you're trying to sell a ride, but it's still a protection. I've ran a bunch of different stuff over the three different staffs I've been a part of in my four years in college. But to start that there's first off, there's so many different things and different concepts and plays and ways you can dress that up. And then on the defensive side of the ball, you know, they might line up in an odd front, which is, you know, you got a guy over the zero, a guy inside of the tackle or a guy over the center and a zero a guy inside of the tackle at a four eye backside over a four eye rush walked up. Right. Or they might be in fives. It might be two fives and a zero out of odd. It might be an even front. It might an even front would just be, you know, you got a two eye inside of the guard, a, a three tech outside of the other guard, two five techs, or they might be two twos or they might be two two eyes or it might be two three techs. Or it might be bare where you got five guys on the line, one over each of them. There's, you know, so many different fronts you can run. And that's not even to say what we're talking about at the linebacker level as well, depending on how they line up, whether they're in a base kind of in 30 backers or 20 backers, or they're kicked more because the personnel you're in and the tendencies, they're going to, you know, kick that guy over to that tight end because they feel if he's over here, they might run this more often. And then, you know, you're looking at safety rotations and whatnot. So, if you're in a, let's just be basic with it, right? If you're running, it's a four down front, right? I got two, two techs head of the guards. I got two, five techs outside, two backers at the base four, two, or, or it's an over front. It's a two, I three. It doesn't matter. Whatever. You got, <laughs> you got the center. You got to look at safeties and whatnot, because maybe they're sending a nickel blitz or they're sending a, a Mike and nickel or, or a corner and nickel or whatever it may be. And, you know, little stuff like the free safety might be cheating to the middle of the field, right? It's a, they want this guys that is a two high look, but it's really a, it's a one high look because that guy's got to rotate to the middle and, you know, that safety is going to cap over that nickel that's blitzing because he's got to be man or he's got to be responsible for that slot receiver, whoever that is. Long story short, you know, I, you can talk about this for days and days and days. Basically you have so many different concepts in the run game and the pass game that you can run as an offense and it's never ending with the different wrinkles and variations you can put on it and personnel and how you want to block it. And then there's so many different ways that a defensive line and linebackers and, and safeties and a defensive, especially the front seven, can line up. And every different concept, whether it's, you know, to be basically, let's say we're running inside zone or a tight zone or a wide zone or, or a counter or whatever, all of those concepts can be drastically impacted by 
how the front seven is going to line up and what they're running and being able to pre-snap, see, hey, maybe they're running this blitz. Hey, that looks like they might be hitting this and that based on, you know, what we know about a team or tendencies of this and that. You can kind of start to predict stuff because your coaches are watching film and they're telling you what to do. But each play versus any given front or any given defense that they give, there can be, you know, 10, 15, a bunch of different scenarios. And by, and by the out. way, you have, what, what's the, the play clock's 25? So by the time you get to the line of scrimmage, you might have, what, 10 seconds to decode all that? Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> you're going like hurry up. you got a little bit more to sit there, but you also want to get that ball snap pretty quick. But if you're coming out of the huddle, um, like I've done a lot and, you know, we'll do here, you come out of the huddle, you got to get down, dissect what you got, especially, you know, the defense that we run, we run with Coach Yidri, they like to be confusing. They run a lot of different stuff. Oh, my God, dude, they were coming from – they dude, they came – I was like, they're coming from everywhere. If you constantly, you know, practice against a static-based defense, which a lot of teams run, but if you constantly practice against that and then you get in the season and you got teams like Coach Yidri runs his defense – with a million bullets flying at any second and you know who knows what's going to happen there's tendencies but also you can't trust that all the way you get used more used to the chaos of it right so when you get in the season and you play a team that wants to do that you're going to be mentally more prepared and more 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 able to adapt to that and then when you play a base team that just wants to line up and play football and run a couple pops here and there a couple blitzes here and there a little bit of movement third you know you're that's easy right that's simple so if, if someone was getting ready to play Coach Gidry, Gidry's defense without giving, you know, we don't want to give away any secrets. We want to win ball games, but what's coming? Chaos, movement, blitzes, and, and everything. They're going to line up and play ball a lot, but also they're going to, there's a lot of exotic different stuff from the D-line, the linebackers, the safeties, everything they want to run is, it's you run a lot of base defense, but any given down, they might run something completely exotic that you would only expect on maybe a third down if you didn't game plan and didn't know what was coming. Much more than the vast majority of teams, you know, in the sense of volume of exotic stuff. So you, it sounds like you have a, a pretty deep passion for football and you love the game. You can talk the game, et cetera. A couple of different things. How much time do you spend studying? Like, how are you an, are you a film study guy? I assume you are, but are you a, like, see it once, get it? Or are you, are you like a rep guy, hours guy? Like you really like to get in there and break it all down. I think there's a mixture of both. Like a lot of stuff at this point, you know, I don't even, you know, simple stuff I don't even really need to look at because I can see it and I'm like, okay, well, it's out of, it's ingrained in my brain because it's some plays you're going to run the same no matter who's your coach, where you're playing, because if in, in any given front in the same front, because that's just kind of how you run that play, or at least from a identification and like hats on hats, maybe the technique's different, but some ways like that's how you block that front and that's kind of uh, universally agreed upon. But you know, I like to sit in and watch a lot of film and see a bunch of exotic stuff and think like, okay, well, that's that, that's that. But to me, really, like, I think you learn the best when you do it, you know. And when it's the off season, you can't go smack heads and hit, right? That's lining up and that's simulating it through a walkthrough setting or through a fast walkthrough setting, whether that's, you know, it's player-led and it's against your defense or it's, you know, on air or it's, you know, you got – other offensive guys lining up as the front seven and safeties and being able to go against them. But to me, I think I learned best when I do it and I have to get my hand on the ball. I have to look around and be like, okay, right. This is what I'm doing. This look is that, but it's a progression of I'm going to watch it in the film room and I know it in my head. I'm be like, okay, I know what I want to do there. Like I usually don't have to, you know, I, things click pretty fast. Like I can look at a look and someone can tell me, Hey, do that against this look. And, I'll remember it just because I've just always been like right, that. Now you can remember it, but how important is it that the two or three guys to your right and the two or three guys to your left know it the way you know it? So how important is it for you to not only know it for yourself, but, you know, I would imagine the efficiency uh, enhances itself the more everybody knows it. Like, absolutely. Like, ideally, you want, especially your alignment and everyone, whether there's tight ends attached, but like to me, especially your alignment, you want your five guys to be like, to know what everyone's doing on every play. That's not exactly realistic, especially when you're a young guy that's still learning and, and you're getting to that point. But ideally everyone knows what everyone's doing on any play. And the way I do it now is, you know, I line up and whatever we have the play called and they get the defense gets lines up. We get a front 
and I'll call my stuff right for me. Or maybe I'm alone. Maybe I'm with the right guard or left guard or whatever we're doing. I'll call that combo or whatever that call is going to be. And then I'll call the combo for the right tackle and the tight end. And then I'll call the combo for the backside guard and the backside tackle. And so you're getting three, four different calls in the thing, but everyone's on the same page, right? And I know what I'm looking at. So if I tell the right guard and right tackle, hey, do that to him, they're, they probably know that and they do know it. But when it's communicated between everybody, everybody knows what everyone's doing on any given play, which matters so much because like for me, pretty much any play, not always, because sometimes you run some crazy stuff on defense and you got to just go with what you think's happening. But most of the time, I know what the left guard, the left tackle, the right guard, and the right tackle, and myself are going to do on any play. I'm a tight end if he's attached or whatever the personnel look may be in formation. But the more you understand what everyone else is doing, the more you can react and predict and put yourself in a better position to win the rep. Because if the ball snapped and they, the D-line does some crazy stunt or crazy movement or there's a blitz, and already automatically and don't even have to think about it. I know what my left guard wants to do and how he's going to react to that. That's going to put me in a better position to like really go full speed and really hit that guy in the mouth. I know exactly what should happen, you know. And who gets final say? You or you or Tyler? Um, if we're calling like, I mean, me. But if Tyler's, you know, Tyler has the Tyler has the best view in the house. I have a good view because I'm in the middle. But I'm also down, so, you know, when I look over to my left and my right, I'm trying to see outside the tackle. I can see what's going on, but I can't tell you a lot of the times maybe exactly what technique he's in because it's all lateral. Like, at some point, you're not going to be able to tell the difference between six inches. But Tyler standing up, you know, he's freaking 6'4", or however tall he is. He's looking around, and he has the best view in the house. He can see everything. He can see the safety. So, at the end of the day, I'm going to call everything in the run game, in the pass game. But if Tyler sees something and he says this, then that trumps everything. And I'll co-sign that. Unless, of course, he says something that I know is wrong, then I'll be like, no, 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 no. Like, <laughs> I, like, I see what you're saying. We're not doing that. Do this. Trust me. You know, it's a, it's a, it's, it's back and forth for sure. But if he sees it and he knows for sure, then it's always uh, submit to whatever he says. I gotcha. Are you a one towel? Like, are you a one towel guy on the hip or two towel guys? Like, are, are we doing with a lot of moisture during the game? What's going on there? One towel and everything is your hands are shoved. Yeah, you're <laughs> sweating like crazy. The towel almost is trivial, especially when you're into a game because you might get a handful of plays on a new drive with a new towel where it's going to help you out. But then, you know, everyone on the defense is just as sweaty as you. So right. you're hitting immediately. Right, you, the towel helps a little bit, but you're really just snapping it wet a lot of times. Are you Especially talking during the game? Are you a big talker? No, unless, like, I get in that mode. Then I'll do a little bit, but usually I like to just stay, stay, talk to my guys and stay on the same page and do what we need to do. But, like, if things get a little chippy and gritty, then I'll, I'll talk just as much as the next guy. Make this the day your life changes. The all-new UFIT Gyms has been created to give you exactly what you need to accelerate your fitness results, including state-of-the-art equipment and a new cross-functional turf training area. Enjoy personal training as low as $35 and new small group training classes, including HIT+. Take it to the next level with personalized nutrition from Eat Love, along with anywhere, anytime access to UFIT On Demand with over 1,000 workouts. Reach your goals faster at the new UFIT Gyms. And so uh, speaking of those two guys, obviously they were excited in you, and I could see why now that we're doing this, but what excited you about them? Specifically, Coach Mirabal and Coach Cristobal. First off, like, both of them, and really our whole staff, Coach Cristobal's done a great job of it, is, like, they're, like, genuine good guys. Like, they're good people. Like, they're family guys. They, like, they're good people that are going to look out for you and, and, and help you as men if they can right and whatever they whatever way they can and they're like genuinely positive good men on top of that the work ethic is like out of, there's not a guy that works harder than coach Cristobal in there or works more and the guy's nonstop, right he's i don't even know when he sleeps because sometimes he's up in like the wee hours of the morning or i'm like like how do you like are you even sleeping and that goes to coach Mirabal too he sends our you know, every morning he's sending us text in our group chat. Maybe it's something about football. Maybe it's different clips. Maybe it's motivational stuff, this and that. But every morning it's like 4 a.m. Sometimes it's 3 a.m. But it's usually 4, 
late fours, maybe early fives if he got up late that day. And he's sending us a bunch of stuff. Like, they eat, sleep, and breathe football. Like, that is, like, the work ethic and, and like, it's their livelihood. That's, like, that is what it's their priority. Obviously, their family, you know, that comes first. But the way they approach football and the way they work is, like, I, I don't know if I've been around it like that. Like, it's it never stopped. And you love it. Great. And I love it because that's – it's great. It shows how committed they are and how much they care. And on top of that, they're, like, good dudes. Like, they're good men. It's 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 a great combination. You said something, and I, and I want you to explain it, what you want now versus what you want most, which I thought was pretty insightful. Uh, you said a former strength coach kind of – I think it's Central Florida. It had to be Central Florida, my guess is uh, – said that to you and I wanted you to uh, explain how that impacts all your decisions, right? Cause you said at the very beginning of this Saturday, I'm probably gonna drink some water, do some exercise, get my ankles, whatever. Like it's okay. It's Saturday. Like it's how the sun's out right now. And you probably, you know, most people are outside having fun at the beach. Not that you may not have fun, but to do what you want to do, to go where you want to go, to go where this team wants to go, to go where this program wants to go, to go where Mark, you know, all those things, what you want most must impact what you are going to do today right and how hard is so a um how you sort of understand that now and b how hard is that for an 18 year old to understand that in terms of what the end goal is for what you want to do as a a big time college football team and program right like you know it's natural for pretty much anybody Right, what you want now, it's the weekend. You know what you want to go do. You want to go have fun. But you got to keep your sight on the big picture. Like today, like, yeah, could I put a bunch of bad in my body and not eat good? And, you know, would that be fun in the moment? Yeah, probably, because why wouldn't it be fun? That'd be fun for anybody. But Monday, it's going to impact my week as we go into workouts because it's all just a continuous, right? Your body is what you put into it and what you get out of it and how you recover and how you train, right? And for a young guy, if you're 18, you just got to college, like that's hard, especially when you just get to college. You want to go experience and have fun and not like be so succumb to the grind of football. And that, you know, I feel like a lot of guys are like that. Like that makes sense to me, right? But as you get older and, and as you realize really like what you want to do, and what individually you want to do, what you want to do as a team, what you want to do as a program, what you want all your teammates to do is you got to be able to suspend that, you know, instant gratification, right? And because in the long run, maybe in the moment, like, you're not going to have a bunch of fun today because you're just hanging out and you're taking care of your body and mind. The delayed gratification of what can and hopefully happens six months from now and down the road is a million times better than anything you're going to do today. And I've always been like that to an extent, just because I think I'm like a future looking guy. Like I have a good outlook on stuff, but especially as I've gotten older through college, you know, nowadays I don't even want to go do that stuff. Like I want to take care of myself and get ready for the season because that's like what matters to me. That's my top priority. You know what I mean? So right now it's like, yeah, I might sit around and, might not be the most individually fun, pleasurable thing, but I also know <laughs> at the same time that there's it's a bigger picture, right? And I think a lot of young guys, they might not think that immediately, but as they get older, they'll succumb to, hey, this is what I do. Like I play football. Like this well, it's good, to, but that's why it's good to have a Matt Lee or uh, a Javion Cohen on the team, right? Because so if they can't, if they don't know for themselves, it's good to have someone that can explain it to them. Exactly. And there's no shame in freaking 18 years old. There's no, that's how you like, yeah. you probably should feel like that. Right. Dude, I mean, let me tell you when I'm done, when I'm done with this, I'm going to do that. Cause I don't have a season. <laughs> but yeah, I, play football, so you're good. I don't, I don't, I have to talk about football, but I yeah, don't have to go play football. So yeah, we're okay. Yeah. So are you like, are you, are you a foodie kind of guy? Like is food important? To, well, that sounds dumb to an offensive lineman, but like, are you, do you have your, uh, the things you like a lot when it comes to food? Yeah. So like, once I got into college or once I started playing, my mindset kind of flipped on like really bad food. You know, when it comes to like sweets and chocolates and ice cream and it's just it's straight bad calories, not going to do anything. Like nowadays, very rare occasions will I eat like very, very dirty because I genuinely don't want to and don't enjoy it. I feel bad about it. And I'm, I'm good with feeling like that. I, that's a good mindset for me. But when it comes, you know, I love like, I love steak. 
I love steak. I love seafood, which is great down here because it's freaking Miami. I love all types of seafood. If I the most cheating I'll get, like if I'm feeling really greasy and I just want a big pizza and eat it, you know. But I love I like all types of food. All types of food. You house a whole pie yourself, right? Absolutely. I did it last night, actually. Two nights ago. Two nights ago. Okay. But you don't have a spot yet, do you? I don't know. Not specifically. I've been to like the few times I've been to Miami's best, I like that. Join us at Gulfstream Park this spring with live action Thursday through Sunday. Enjoy entertainment outdoors at the Carousel Club or feast in 10 Palms. Not hungry? Visit our many on-site shopping locations from fashion stores to home furnishings. For schedules, reservations, and tickets, visit GulfstreamPark.com. All right, Matt. So, look, you were hanging with your teammates the other night. Share them with the world. So I'll just name the guys real quick. Just get a few words, but whatever comes to mind first, all right? We'll start with Javion. Javion, cool-ass dude, hard worker, good football player. And just, like, me and Javion are boys. Like, we came in together, but we're boys. Like, just just, just, just cool-ass, cool dude. Like, chill, like, love him. Uh, Francis. Impressive. He's, he's a kid still, right? He just turned 18. He turned 18 two days before my 22nd birthday. But... He's impressive. Like he's very advanced from a mental standpoint on the football field and and from a physical standpoint on the football field and in the weight room. But as a kid, you know, he's still a kid. So he's, you know, he can't be goofy, he's funny, you know, he's still kind of immature, but but he's hilarious. Uh Samson. Samson, it's same thing as Francis. Like physically imposing and impressive, smart. Again, same thing. They're he's he's eighteen. Also, he turned eighteen in uh, twenty twenty two. But but funny, just cool dude, and and on the football field, like big, strong, athletic. You know, same type of idea as Francis. Like just just pretty much is a freak. He's a freak. Tommy, Tommy, Tommy's hilarious. He's like every time I was with Tommy last night, or just in the lot, like in general, locker room, like he, everything he says is just something funny like always just laughing like like what are you talking about just always laughing but <laughs> but he's big super tall big dude good feet like he's gonna he's gonna be a good player frankie but same thing you know frankie got here a little bit after everyone but but it's cool you know he's from australia and all that so you know he's got that international experience if you will but he's just cool ass dude good guy and impressive in a physical sense you know out on the football field too trip antonio Trent missed a lot of spring because he hurt his shoulder or something like that. So so he wasn't doing a lot of spring ball. So on the football sense, you know, I can't comment too much as well. But he's a big, he's pretty strong dude. And and same thing, this is a cool guy. You know, the, he's young, right? He's 18 too. So all those young kids compared to me now that I'm kind of old head. You're an old hat. You're the old hat. They're 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 you know, it's all they're all funny dude, you know, immature, all joking around, you know, good dude though, funny. If you could adopt Jalen, I think who would not want Jalen Rivers in their family? Jalen is like one of, if not like, just like the best all around like guys I've ever been around in football. Like the way he approaches football, like, you know, super hard worker, super smart on the football field, big, strong, athletic dude. But off the football field, like, is a genuinely like really, really good human being. One of those guys where like they do, do no wrong. You know what I mean? Like the way he's wired is just to be like a good guy. Yeah, like you look at Jalen and you go like, "I stink." And he's and he's a good football player. You could put him at any position: left left tackle, left guard, right guard, right tackle. He could. He's taken center reps before. You're not, you know, no, I haven't seen him do it. But I know back he's done it before in practice. He's super versatile and from a mental and a human being and a football standpoint, is kind of like everything you want. I'm going to throw somebody else in here. He's not a player, but you know this guy well. I know him well, too, but you just were with him for about three or four years. You're our new running back coach, Mr. Tim Harris. I, I love Coach Harris. I was with him for two years, and this is going on the third year now. Freaking hard worker, right? He he coached high school football before he got to the college level, and he can't, you know, his dad is popular down here, you know, one of the high school coaching legends down here in uh, South Florida, and hardworking great guy, like great family dude and, and, and passionate, you know, he coaches passionate, but above all that, like he's a, and I've been with him enough. Like I know, like he's a genuinely good guy. He's a good dude. Somewhere along the way in your career, you had a buzz cut. Are we ever going to go back to that? Not this season. Now I either go, 
my two haircuts my whole life has either been long hair or buzzes. Like if once I get like, I went my first like two or th- like three years in college or something like that, or maybe even more, three and a half years, never cut it. It was down to like here, damn near. And then I was like, ah, I don't want it anymore. Buzz it all the way off. Then grew it back out a little bit, buzzed it again. And then here I am. This is like, I don't even know when the last time I got a haircut was. I've probably had four haircuts in the past five years or probably six, seven years, a bunch. All right. So, uh, Matt, this has been awesome. I hope you enjoy doing some, uh, you know, ankle exercises and drinking Zephyr Hills the rest of the day. Um, yeah, I know. Maybe do a little hip flexion or something like that. And, uh, and any ideas on the movie you might watch? Probably uh, what I haven't seen in a while, and I've been meaning to watch it a little bit. Uh, past like week is is Fast Times. Wow, you you go, you're like back in the, you're like my level of uh, great generation. Movie. Yeah, those are the best movies though. Nowadays, like there are no, like, there really are no movies these days. I mean, there's no movies. Now. So what is it? All, all right, right, so all right, real quick, if you're flipping through the, if you're flipping through whatever, everyone has a movie or two that they stop on, regardless of what they're doing, and their whole day gets screwed up because this is on. So do you have any? Fast times, absolutely. Um, I watched Airplane the other day. Oh my Hilarious. god, I cannot believe that's your that's your your genre. Hilarious. Rocky one, super bad. The forty year old virgin. A bunch of old movies, though. An old, you know, forty-year, thirty-year-old, way before my time movies. Those yeah. old comedies. Those are some. Are, there, there are some funny scenes in Forty-Year-Old Virgin and probably oh, Super Bad too. Hilarious. That was to me like after the two thousands in those comedies, and and not just comedies, but all those movies. Like once it passed the early mid two thousands, it kind of just like yeah, everything. Just no one write. There's no writing. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's it's the acting's bad. It's all like they freaking like. Guys are watching like Fast and Furious. Not on the dude. Horrible. <laughs> right, like, Horrible. Dude, some guy drives a car 100 miles an hour over a bridge into a valley, hits the floor, keeps going. You're like, like and that's enjoyable. Dwayne Johnson and Jason Statham are fighting in prison and they're punching through like concrete walls. Right. What, what are you doing, dude? <laughs> yeah, no, not happening. All right, I'm with you on that. Uh, all right, bud. Have a have a good day. Glad you did this. Appreciate it. Um, glad you. I didn't wake you up too. Actually, you were up before I was. So, thanks for rocking with me on a Saturday, and uh, I look forward to seeing you around the facility, bud. Hey, thank you. Appreciate it. It's there. Uh...